Well, welcome back to the Living a Whole Christian Life. This is Dr. Jim Schrader. I hope you're having a great week wherever you are and just whatever's been going on. So before I start this week, and we're going to start a new series on technology and how this pertains to our our pursuit for holiness with the WH, again, the unified pursuit of health, harmony, happiness, and heaven, I have to begin with a real note today, kind of a somber note. This morning, we celebrated the life of my grandmother, Elizabeth Louise Mattingly, who lived 93 years. And uh, we celebrated her life and in her passing earlier this week on May 1st. And so I wanted to share that with you too. I, I come in, like I said, with a little bit of a somber note, but also with a, a great sense of gratitude for all that my grandma, my mamma meant to me and all that she did. And as the oldest grandchild, you know, I, I often say that I had the best seat in her house. Um, we'd spent so many times together, so many great times together, what was playing golf or, or birding or playing cards. But more importantly, I just spent some time with a woman who was certainly very authentic and the way that she lived. I think that if people ask me, what did you learn the most from your grandma? It would be two things. One, it would be that if you're willing to work hard for your career, for your family, and for your leisure, and for God, you'll always have a rich, rich life. And my grandmother had the richest life you can imagine, even though the last couple of years have been difficult. And I also think that I learned a great sense of authenticity from her. Sometimes um, even grandma's opinions and, and could get her in a little trouble sometimes if we're honest, but she was never afraid to be courageous and to be bold about what she felt was important. And I, and I think that in some ways, the spirit of my grandmother lives on through this podcast and, and other ways that I feel called, because if we're not authentic with the people around us, then what are we really? So I ask all of you listening today, just say a prayer for my grandmother and she may rest in peace. And for our family as we as we move on without her in the sadness and in the celebration of her life. Thank you. As we come back to our podcast and we come back to living a whole Christian life, I want to review kind of what we've talked about in regards to the framework of holiness with the WH. Thus far, we've talked about one anxiety that it, we have to address anxiety in our lives and understand again, the kind of anxiety that immobilizes us and the kind that immobilizes us. And we have to really have an intentional approach with anxiety. The second aspect we've already talked about is pride. Again, we're speaking of there's two different forms of pride. Pride in a good way, being proud of the efforts and what God gives us, but also unhealthy pride, that hubris, that self-absorption, which doesn't allow us to see reality in a clear way and to be able to grow. There's no way that we can live a whole life without addressing pride in the best way possible. And then we transition to what in many ways we call the inlets of our soul. And, and the key factor here is that God creates so many opportunities for us in this world and our lives to have healthy habits, to have ways to renew ourselves and rejuvenate ourselves. But sometimes we're not very intentional about that. And in order to live truly a whole Christian life, we have to constantly be developing and cultivating and preserving these inlets of our souls. Otherwise, we're gonna find ourselves tempted in ways and torn in ways that are not consistent with who we're called to be. And the last time we, we had a series on it, kind of what I would say, change and challenge and chore, um, the three inevitables of our lives beyond death and taxes, and how we have to approach this um, in a way that is not just superficial, but very much, much deeper. We have to approach it in a way that recognizes that all three will always be there, and yet our perspective in each of these is rather controllable and is really one of the biggest keys to living the life that we desire. 
So as we move from those aspects of our framework, this week we're going to begin our focus on technology. And there is no way we can live a whole Christian life without considering technology in our lives and how we treat that. This isn't necessarily a new challenge or a new problem. It was, you know, a couple hundred years ago that Henry David Thoreau said, quote, men have become tools of their tools. <laughs> and I have to wonder, I don't know what tools, I guess, back then he was speaking of so much. But uh, today we know that there's all sorts of tools. In fact, the tools that I'm using right now just to communicate to you in a very virtual way. But the reality is, is that, you know, while it's not a new problem in our civilization or a new challenge, the real key question for today we have to ask ourselves is, do we guide technology or does technology guide us? You know, never before in the history of the world has technology changed so dramatically and so quickly and literally created what we would call kind of a second world. I mean, a second life. In fact, there's actually a second life platform. This online world where entire lives seemingly can be lived and yet we still have this real aspect of our life that we have to take care of. Certainly not just take care of, but embrace. And so, you know, I want to kind of really be honest today in this podcast. And my goal is not to create guilt with wherever you're at in the technological world. My goal is not for you to feel bad or feel like you're, oh my gosh, this is, you know, like I am just really not where I desire to be. My goal, and again, the spirit of my grandmother, one is just to be authentic about the choices that I have made and the reasons behind them, but for us to share in this question again that I posed in the beginning, which is, does technology guide us or do we guide technology? So just to give you a perspective for me, I graduated from high school in 1995. And at that time, my parents were already kind of considered to be low tech in comparison to today, I guess there's really no comparison, um, but we didn't have any cable and we didn't have a VCR. But Although we were somewhat unique in that way, where we were not unique when I graduated in 95 from high school, was that there was no mobile devices being used in my senior year. No one had a mobile device other than a real clunky car phone that very few people even had or used. There was no internet really in usage at that point. Of course, then that meant there was no social media. I literally was from one of the last few classes to really ever live free of the online world. And I think that you know, today's students can't fathom what that existence was like. I mean, in many ways, I think that it was a very freeing existence, but the students of today, they can't even hearken an understanding of what it would be like to live free of the online world all the way through your high school career. So today, I want to talk about actually my choices, not just what, we were, what was happening then 25 plus years ago, but a little bit about the choices that we're making today. So you have some context about you know, what I discuss here. So I'm actually still today one of the 2% of my age group who does not have a mobile device. And as my friend joked uh, years ago, the other 2% are in prison. No offense they're meant, but uh, <laughs> in many ways, I think that he's probably not far off, although I do have one other close friend who doesn't have a mobile device. Um, in our home, we don't have any cable, although we do have Netflix. We use internet a lot, email a lot, probably times way more than even we want our kids ourselves to use it. We don't have any personal social media, although I recently established kind of a business site for a lot of the work that I'm doing through podcasts and my writing and speaking. And our kids don't have any um, phones themselves. They're, they're about ready to turn 16. So certainly that's a huge kind of novelty for them to not have phones in comparison to most of those in their class. We don't have any social media accounts or gaming consoles, although our kids do use the computer sometimes 
to play certain games. But again, you know, we use internet and email a lot. My wife, Amy, actually just got a smartphone last year. Previously, we couldn't find her phone half the time anywhere, and we didn't text before. But we just decided, and she, I think, especially decided with all the notifications and everything going on, it was a good time to get that. So in many ways, you know, people would look at us, and and those who know us describe us as certainly a a low-tech family. But these choices are really intentional. And I wanted to kind of talk about why I make these choices. And, and you know, as part of this series, I'll get much more in the research um, that I spent about 15 years immersing myself in. But again, the point of me kind of describing these the reasons behind these choices is just for us to have a collective conversation, even though I realize I'm sitting here in a cluttered closet speaking to you. But we really have to have a collective conversation because we can't pursue a whole Christian life in any way or form if we really don't think intentionally about how we're using the technology that is available. And I first want to say that there is no doubt that the technology is phenomenal. I mean, no matter what I say here, I wanted to be clear that the things that we can do through a mobile device or on a computer or, you know, wherever we're using are out of this world. I still cannot fathom how these things are possible. So when I say all this and I describe some of the reasons that I would be described as low tech by others, it's certainly not that I'm not amazed and fascinated and use some of the technology, but there is more that lies beneath the genius when it comes to our own psychology, when it comes to our own holistic health. So I'll be authentic, but I certainly greatly respect the choices that each individual and each family needs to make for themselves. So people often do ask me this. Okay, so first of all, how in the world do you get by without a smartphone? You should see, every year I do a presentation for eighth graders who are kind of at a medical camp. And I I let them in on a little bit about this, the technology piece and what I don't have. And you should see the shock on their faces and the hands go up in the air. I mean, I get questions like, how do you get your kids to soccer practice? (laughs) And in which I laugh, well, I drive them there. How how do people get a hold of you? I'm like, well, I mean, I've got email, I got a phone next to my desk, I've got a phone at home. I've got lots of other ways you can talk to me. They, again, like I said, they can't fathom how all of this is possible. But then the next thing ensues about, well, why do you do this? Like, why this? Why would you, you know, be so kind of countercultural? And my first response is that for me and the choices that I'm making, I ultimately do feel that it is the best way to preserve my physical, psychological, social, and spiritual health. And again, we'll talk more about that as the series goes on. But beyond that kind of global answer, there are some specific things that, especially with the mobile device not having that, that I I really decided years ago it was the best place to be. And one is that, you know, when I've got eight kids and I'm a child psychologist and I'm head of a department and lots of things are going on, in my life, I desperately need focused attention and clarity of mind that I worry that many times that social media and phones would threaten. For all the notifications, all the potential temptations, even for things that aren't necessarily bad things. But I, um, over the years, have just kind of had concerns that if my attention was fractured continuously by a mobile device, that my clarity of mind would be reduced. And thus, it would be difficult for me to really execute the roles that I have and I'm called to do. So I certainly, you know, in stepping back and using the technology as I do, my hope is that it preserves my ability to focus and sustain attention in ways that are just so necessary for my life. The second reason behind the choice that I make is that I love silence. And you probably aren't surprised about that, given eight kids. But um, I think that the older I've gotten, maybe it makes me sound very curmudgeonly here, but I not only appreciate silence, but I feel like it's incredibly important for me to have silence in my life, to be able to reflect on 
choices that I'm making continuously. And also, again, to just communicate with God on a, on a regular basis. And so even if it's silence from walking from my office to the lounge to get food over at the hospital, or if it's just silence at the end of the day, certainly in my commuting or different ways, I really feel the need and feel like it's important for me to build silence in my life. And if I don't, and if I'm going without it, even for a short time, I can notice myself feeling less grounded, feeling more fractured. And so my choices allow a much greater sense of silence probably than other people realize, but it's really important for me. The third, I guess maybe the fourth choice, if you're kind of talking about the overarching one being the first one, is I have this deep desire, and of course I'm a psychologist, so you might laugh at me about this, but I have this desire to be a, a good communicator. Not just someone who's easy to get a hold of. I guess some people would argue that I'm actually kind of hard to get a hold of because you can't text me or or reach me in certain ways, although I would argue there's plenty of ways to get me if you need me. But I really want to preserve the communication in a way that is rich, that you, when you're with me, you really feel that you're with me. I want to preserve communication in a way that what I say and do matters and that nothing really fractures, nothing interferes with that. And I've certainly been in many situations where I've noticed that people without intent, the, the devices or you know social media or other things going on, may drive difficulty with communication. So for me, that's just really important. Um, you may not always think I'm the easiest to get a hold of, but I hope, and I'm sure I fail in many ways, but I hope that when you do get a hold of me, um, my communication is good and you really feel that I'm hearing and listening. The fifth one is that I've learned over time that the psychological distance by amount of info can be overwhelming. You're like, what is he talking about? Well, here's what I mean, is that the easier it is to get a hold of someone then the more likely the amount of info is going to increase, right? So let's think about this. The likelihood of people showing up at your door in a physical way is probably pretty limited. And especially these days, the likelihood of you getting a letter handwritten or typed in the mail is probably pretty limited. It takes a fair degree of energy and directness to do that. But as you go further down the line, phone calls, you might be more likely to get a few phone calls, but probably less. And then email, well, you're getting more and more emails because that's a little bit easier. And then when you finally get to things like texts and social media posts, well, that is so kind of like removed from the direct connection between one human being and another that science has shown that you are likely to get so many more texts in regards to a question or a problem, whatever, than you are someone physically or you know, showing up or calling you. And I guess, again, people might say, well, geez, does that mean you don't want to be get held of or whatever? I mean, you kind of just try to be reclusive. And I, I don't know. I, I mean, I guess you could argue that maybe that's part. But what I would really say is, honestly, I just am so busy in all the roles that I have. And I really, really desire to do a good job in those roles. I'm afraid of falling prey to too much communication unless it's really important. And so that's the choice I make there. Number six is related to what I said earlier about attention. But the, it is that distractions really worry me. And I really worry that, you know, it can derail me from what is most important in my day. And the recent statistics indicate that anywhere from two to 400 times a day, the average person checks their phone. I worry with a phone myself that even if I'm not looking at things that aren't great from a holiness sense, it serves the possibility of really distracting me continuously um, in a way that really actually decreases my efficiency and decreases my ability to be the person I'm called to be. And so a lot of the choices I make are really to reduce the distractions in my life and so I can preserve what's most important. And finally, speaking of what's most important preserving, I really 
ultimately, no matter what the online opportunities are and what you know is provided information-wise or entertainment-wise online, I have no doubt that my greatest joys, my greatest successes, my greatest meaning in life is going to come in real time, in real place, in real space. And so whatever I do on the online, whatever I do from a communication standpoint, cannot interfere with this greatest joy. It can't interfere with this real space, being with people, being in real places in the natural world. Anything that threatens that for me is not worth it. I'm, I'm happy to give away the phone. And, and to be very honest, people will often ask, I mean, is it difficult not having one? And about 2% of the time, it's a little bit of a challenge. There are definitely times where in a real pinch or I need to get somewhere and I need directions or whatever, it's, it's difficult. But 98% of the time, you know, I'm really glad that I don't have one. And I realize that most of you, of course, not are not going to make that choice. But as always, we're, we're being authentic, again, in the spirit of my grandma. And so that's where I would land there. So as we close this out, here's a question as we continue the series on technology in living a whole Christian life. Again, the earlier question I said is, you know, do we guide technology or does technology guide us? But really, there's even a more important question that I'm going to close with today. And here's the question I think we all have to ask ourselves, no matter what the choices are that we make. And that is this. Is technology making us healthier, happier, more harmonious, and holier people? Or are we trading convenience and experience for the sacred sacredness that I just noted, right? The sacredness of health and happiness and harmony and holiness. That is really the question that we have to ask when it comes to technology. What's most important to us? I hope you have a great day. Again, please pray for my grandmother. And this is Jim Schrader. Be holy, be holy.